What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Snap Podcast. I'm your host, Leo Estilo Genez, and with me, I got a special co-host today. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's me, Jacob Botello, here from Lunchroom Scholar Studios. Uh, well, actually, we're in Leo's uh, studio today. Yeah. We're, uh, we're doing a little interviewing, and uh, we're ready to have a good time, so thanks for tuning in today. Yeah, we actually got an uh, uh, older friend of mine, uh, <clears throat> Eric Martinez, today. We're going to be talking to him about uh, you know his life and all his uh, choices, and we're going to get a look into... Uh, Pretty much what his uh, his life has gone through in the prison system. Right. And uh, we're going to go to there. What's up, Eric? How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for having me. And we're glad to have you on, man. I know Liam even talking about getting with you, you know, the past couple of weeks. Because I know he recently got out. And for us, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting topic to talk about this. Because for me, Leo talked about you when you were in. Talked about, hey, I talked to Eric today, and it meant a lot to him. So when you came out, Leo was all kinds of excited. Yeah, I got a lot of McDonald's. So, <laughs> Don't get some Leo was all kinds of excited. And he would tell me, bro, you know, y'all's correspondence that you had between each other. So I'm glad just to be here with you today to get to talk to you and to get an interview. You know, I take that as an honor to for you to share your life with, with us and with everybody on this podcast. So I appreciate your time, man. We're going to get started here with Leo and... Yeah, man, actually, uh, like, uh, real quick, like, I actually met Eric whenever I was, uh, we were 16, right? Yes, sir. We were 16, we were working at Fiesta, uh, <laughs> I was inside, you know, doing my cashier thing, and yeah, uh, he I was, was outside, a- pushing the carts. <laughs> <laughs> man, how was that? It was alright, it, it was, was kind of hectic at times, especially when it was cold, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hey, that's real work, bro. <laughs> bro, for real. I'd be mean, like, man, I feel bad. Man, did you used to hate like when people would push them all the way to the back and leave oh, them there? Man. Yeah, because I mean, it was it wasn't just one or two, it'd be a few, and then by the time I go get those, there'd be <laughs> someone on the other side. So it was just back and forth. Bro, what would y'all do if like y'all saw a cat walking away with them jokers? Because I know a lot of people sometimes would just take them jokers to the apartments. To be honest with you, I I'll just let them take it. I mean, <laughs> sure, it ain't mine anyway. <laughs> yeah, but not even that. You know, they had the apartment across from Fiesta, so. We, I mean, yeah, usually they'll send us over there to go pick them up. So. Oh, oh man. yeah, across the little street, yeah, right? Across, across Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, across Daniel. Uh, but, uh, man, I remember whenever I had actually uh, first met Eric was uh, one night, he had came in and was talking to the uh, to the uh, floor manager at the time. Her name was Robin. And he was like, man, this cat over here, you're talking mess. Oh, you talking about, uh, yeah. <laughs> you talking <laughs> well, about? That's, that's a little story we can get into. Yeah, well, apparently I was... Pretty cool with this guy. You know, we both worked outside in Houston and bought a car to go, you know, buy something to eat or whatever. And when we came back, we got into altercation. He threatened my mother and, you know, you know how it goes. I mean, mess with my family then. It's, it's a wrap. Bro, all I remember from that night is I was over there. It was like by a little Caesars that's over here to the side of Fiesta because he had to fight off premises to not get fired. <laughs> yeah, to not get fired. So he was like, all right, bet. So he was responsible enough to think of like, man, I, I need this job, but yeah. I still want to fight this cat. So, uh, man, all I remember from that fight is that we were all there, and uh, all of a sudden, this fool, <laughs> Eric, was like, man, this cat bit me. Did you bite me? Yeah, he, he what bit me. did he bite me. you? He like Mike Tyson? Yeah, no, no, not on the air. <laughs> we we're, were fighting, and, you know, I was getting the best of him, so he tried to wrestle with me. You know, he wrapped me up, and we were on the ground, and next thing you know, I just feel him bite my back. I mean, <laughs> I had him in the headlock, he bit my back, and... I really didn't, you know, the adrenaline pumping, you don't really think about nothing until we find he just caught it quits. I'm like, all right. Man, I think uh, Eric, he actually had to get a rabies shot, bro, the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, man, that was, a, that was an 
Man, a long time ago, what? We're like, what, in our was, 30s now? So yeah. it's like been at least 15 years. Nowadays, you wouldn't be worried about rabies. You'd be worried about COVID. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hey, bro, you can buy me. Just don't cough on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. That's uh, our little young life. But, uh, man. Uh, no, you're talking about our young life. I think you should tell them about the time we were driving that Cadillac. Man, oh, yeah. 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 Right. so this is going to kind of get into segue into <laughs> what we were doing that actually led Eric into the path that he took. We might want to hold on to that story. <laughs> hold on to it? All yeah, because, right, right, right. you know, you kind of told me about this. All right, all right. We'll save it for a little bit later. That story, I think, was, you know, there was a, a hidden message there <laughs> yeah, for you, man. We'll save it. But, uh, you know, Eric, we're going to get started with, you know... I got a few questions, man, but the thing that sticks out to me the most and, and what I'm kind of curious is about, how was your young life? You know, we know that there was a, you spent, how many years was it total in prison? Well, I started in 2008. Mm-hmm. Well, I got out in 2008. It started in 2006 and we're in 2020. So, uh, but as a whole, my whole 20s, I was probably out, of, I was probably home till now. I was probably out maybe three to four years tops. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So... Before all that, you know, growing up, you grew up, uh, I know, I grew up in Arlington, Leo, were you around the same area? No, I actually, I was born in Mexico. Okay, right on. But I came, you know, my father brought us over here, me and my mother over here when I was two. I have two older brothers, you know, different mothers, but I came over here when I was two. We were actually living in Oak Cliff until I was about four, first time I ever ran away. Four? Yeah, I was four years old. You're going to grab this He-Man and the blanket, big dog. <laughs> yeah. First time I ran away, it was intentional, I just... Exploring the world, I guess you could say. <laughs> then we moved to West Dallas, and I was there until about the age of 12. That's when we moved out to Arlington. Been here the rest of my life. So you say growing up, your childhood, you know, just a quick rundown. How how was that? Like, was it... Well, growing up, it was actually, like, we're fam- my family's very family-orientated. You know, my mother, my father, and everything. My father's been working for years. He was working for years at Six Place. He just retired last year. He was a working man. My mother, she used to work back then. Now she's, you know, she's a stay at home, a stay at home now. She had my little sister, well, both of my sisters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, growing up, it's really it. There, what they used to do never affected my life as far as the decision that I decided to make that caused me to go to prison because my father never showed me to do the things that I did. My gotcha. father was always a hard working man. What it was leading into that. It was pretty much just me wanting to, you know, peer pressure of people I was hanging around with, but me trying to pretty much Fast find, find my way to make money because I didn't want to, pretty much, to be honest with you, I wasn't trying to work as hard as my father just to, you know, to provide, because I mean, I've seen a whole different lifestyle where I can make money way faster than that and I'm not as much as work as, because I mean, growing up, I was, my father had a landscaping company, so mm-hmm. we used to, you know, we used to work with them. And, you know, landscaping, I mean, uh, give it to the people that are still out there doing it because it's, it's a tough job. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sweating places that you ain't even know you had, big dog. Yeah. But yeah, no, for sure. You know, and I get what you're saying from if you can, you know, anybody, anybody, if you can say, hey, do less work, make more money, I'm going to ask you, hey, what is it? Honestly, I think that's like the American, the American standard nowadays. You know, it's like we find, we try to find the quick way. Yeah. You know, regardless whether it's in business and the street life, it's like, hey, how can we make, uh, you know, a thousand right now? And so, so by saying that, you know, your your concern was quick money and yes. not work as hard. So when when would you say that you start to see that change in your life? About what age? Honest, to be honest with you, me and Leo, you know, we go way back. It was, I was doing my thing back then and then I was shown about 
when I was about 13 years old, I had a, you know, that's when I first started breaking into cars. You know, okay. that, that was, that was when, you know, it's just like uh, when you smoke weed. I smoked weed when I was younger. I don't even smoke now because mm-hmm. it's, it's in my thing. But it's just the peer pressure, you know. It's like who you're hanging around with. And then once you get it, it's more of an adrenaline rush. When you get mm-hmm. that adrenaline rush and, and you enjoy, you know, running from mm-hmm. from the, the owners of the people's car that you broke into, beat the officers or whatever, it's just an adrenaline rush. You don't think about it when the cops are after you until it's already too late, you know. But as far as it's just an adrenaline rush and then knowing... The fact that okay, you know what? If I can get away, if I get away with it, this is what I'm gonna make off of it. You know, mm, yeah. And it's just, and, and it gets you hooked. You know, when you go from there to, I went from there to breaking into houses to. You know. Well, and and a lot of people, you know, that haven't been in your situation, don't understand what it's like to, to say, hey, I'm gonna you know break into cars. This is how I'm gonna make money because sometimes people's upbringing is a little bit different to where. You might ask your parents, hey, can I borrow, can I get 20 from you? I want to go to the movies with friends. Or, hey, can I get 100 from you? I want to buy these new shoes. Not all of us, you know, I, I can tell you, for me, yeah, I wasn't blessed with that. We don't all have that luxury. We don't all have that luxury. So, you know, you coming up and the people that you were around, I guess you could say your friends, the ones that peer pressure, you kind of gave you, hey, well, here's an idea. This is what we're yeah. doing. And you kind of saw what was going on. And that's how you kind of fell into it. And you said about the age of 13. Yeah. So what I actually know is uh, when we were young, we actually hung out with a lot of people that were actually older than us. Yes. Like, yeah. so that added on to it. You know, I remember whenever uh, I had first uh, started getting into that, too. I was like, man, that's wild. And that's whenever, I, like I said, we met around the same time whenever we had first both started doing everything. Yeah. Being bad. So you're a couple years younger than them, so... When did y'all meet? You said 16? 16. Okay. So Eric, I think. No, I was 15. Eric, I think, was 17. 17. I was 17. I don't know. So your time when you were in there, I say, so you did three different stints of time? or Four stints. Four. Four. Okay. What did you, like, when you were there, did you gain any type of hobbies? Like, what did you do to pass time? The first time that I went, it was more of the experience. I mean, it's. You see, of course, you know, you see movies where, oh, prison, this and that. And all I can tell you is it's what you make it. The first time I went, you know, it was just experience. I, you know, I, I was nervous. To be honest with you, it's, everyone's nervous. Mm-hmm. If they say they're not, then they're lying to you. Because, you know, being incarcerated in the city jail or the county jail is a whole different lifestyle compared to prison. Because in prison, you have, you know, you have other people that, you know, you have other cats who have, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, and you come in there with a six-year sentence, they're going to look at you like, oh, you're just a short-timer, you know, Mm. just a short-timer, and it's just like, like I stated before when I conversated with y'all earlier, it's more of a, it's really what you make it, it's more, you know, because you have people who know how to do time, then you have people who are learning how to do it, yeah, who think that they have to be as like it is in the movies when it's not, it's really what you make it, it's how you carry yourself, because in prison, Mm. it's more of a, of a respect thing. You got to give respect yeah. in order to receive respect. And that's, and there, I mean, you see cats fight over a Roman, a Roman noodle soup, no. Yeah. I mean, it's just how, a principle. Uh, how did that, like, uh, make you feel whenever your first time in, like, as far as uh, knowing that you're in there for something? I don't want to say small because it's something big, but, like, being in there with people that have actually killed people. Like, what actually would go through your mind? Honestly, to be, like I said, I'll, I'll be nervous, but it's at the same time. If they were willing to kill someone out here, you know, who's to say they might be going through, it's all a mentality state of mind. It's really a state of mind. Were you ever sold up with somebody, like, that had a worse actually, background than you? I actually, on my way home, my first time, I, I went to the BDO unit. I was there, 
And uh, Marcelli actually had two consecutive life sentences wow. for capital murder. But it, you know, he was an Asian guy from Laos. He was pretty cool, you know. He's the one that told me, "Look, man, life's too short." And that's where, like, I never took the advice until now because now that I have my daughter, you know, I missed I've missed out a lot on her life already as it is. And it's like uh, now thinking about you know thinking about hanging around with you and you know seeing how positive you become because I mean, like you said, we we got a history, you know. Mm-hmm. And like it, it inspires me, but after what he had told me, it's like he said, you know, life is too short, and your life could change in a split second just off of one decision that you make. Yeah, it's true. yeah, exactly. I can't imagine like actually sleeping next to a cat or sharing the same cell with somebody that has the you know two life senses or kill. Yeah. Boy, it's, that'd it's, be kind of like nerve wracking. Yeah, I mean, I was nervous, but you know, we got Sleep real cool. We, we got to, we got to, you know, we got to conversate. I mean, you that's all you can do. You get to, you know, you get to know the people that you're around. And I mean, it's like the, with this podcast, I mean, that's what I'm hoping I could reach someone who's, you know, been through what I've been through or is thinking of making a decision. I mean, think about what you're doing because, yeah, I mean, like around him, he, you know, I never took into it because, you know, I was like, oh, I was, I was young. So I didn't yeah. know how to, you know, you're real young. And now that I'm 34, it's like, you know what? He was really, it's just like your parents' advice. You know, you think at the time that, oh, they're just, they're just, you know, they're just saying that because they don't like my friend or something. You yeah. know, you got to always follow through because your parents know what they just want what's best what's for best you. That's true. And a real friend is the same way, you know. With that uh, mindset, uh, I know you talked to us about your first time. And what was your mindset going in on this last time? My mindset, you know, because I went back. That's the thing about it. My mindset about that was, you know, I'm 34 years old. I've been in there for a misdemeanor enhanced, you know. with, with your, Once you get a prior record, once the state of Texas... Convicts you of a felony, any little thing can <clears throat> can send you right back, you know, any little thing. So it's like my mindset now is like, you know, like I said, I have my daughter now. I've missed out on her life, and I mean, she's a daddy's girl. I can't, I can't put it through that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah, she's a lot older now. She's very cute, man. She, yeah. she needs you. So you know, and, and I, I don't want to backtrack, but you know, we talked about past time. You told me how the mentality changed from the first to the last time, and you know, you said that that changed. But what was the change like? I guess more or less, like, what did you do to pass time? Like, I'm talking about, like, from morning to, to the end of the day. Like, was there certain okay. things to do, like hobbies? Yes, well, see, that, that's the thing about the Texas Department of Corrections, you know. If you have no medical issues, they're going to make you work. It's mandatory. You're going to work for, you know, because once you step through that intake, you become their property. You're actually a number part of, yes, and they, and they tell you, you you belong to the state of Texas until you are released. So they put you, you know. To work, and I mean that's the, that was the majority of my pastime. I mean, then before I got transferred, I was actually working on the fields, you know, doing a uh, rows. And I mean, we're talking about rows cutting trees down with pickaxes because you know they don't give you chainsaws because you know it's a oh, threat. Yeah. So it's just you. I my this was my schedule. I'd wake up at five in the morning. Would be out in the field by six thirty. We go to fields. Come back at around nine ten. Go eat lunch. Then, you know, if we didn't have to go, summertime, sometimes we'd have to go two times a day out there, but majority of the times we'll come back, we'll be in the dorm. You have cats that go to school. If you go to school, you, you don't have to work. If you have a full-time student, if you have a class in the afternoon, then of course you're going to go to work, then you go to class at 12 till about 3. I, you know, the first time I went down, I actually got my GED. So this time, I, you know, I try to put myself in, you know, it, it's just... Me trying to learn more things to pass up the time because I wanted to be productive with my time. Because, you know, like I said, compared to the first time to now, you know, I'm older. It's like the, the more productive I got, the more I got to, you know, 
pass my time because it's like I told y'all before, it's two different worlds. Just like out here, you know, time flies out here, but you know, you got your routine. You have to have a routine because if not, it's going to be all chaotic. You don't, you know, you're going to be just wondering like, what am I going to do today? What should I do today? And there, once you get your routine going, and really that's how you avoid a lot of conflict in it because you got your routine, you know what you're doing. And like, that's why I'm saying after work, I would just come back, you know, watch TV, never ask to change the channel. That's one thing you don't do. If it, I mean, I, I learned the hard way the first first two times, you know, when I was younger. So it's like now it's like a lot of stuff that I did back then. The first two times that I did compared to now, it's like I'm older. I've been there. I've done it, you know. And like I said, you know, these youngsters out here, they they go to prison thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, it's thinking it's like it's you're in the movie. Bad out here, yeah, you know, you're thinking it. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I give it to you. You. Yeah, I mean, if you think, if you can fight, because on there, you ain't got no guns. You think you can fight, you go on there, you're going you to learn some, see some cats that been doing it for you gonna 20 learn. years. You're going to learn straight. today. You know, what stood out to me was you said that you had to, I guess, a routine. And, you know, that's a, you know, I, I kind of follow a lot of different things. And right now, what a lot of people talk about is, with this whole COVID thing, is people stay home most of the time. They're not work. They're either working from home, they're not leaving their house. But one thing that's imperative and that everyone talks about is you have to have a routine. Because I think if we have some sense of normality, even though being locked up and doing this, that's not normal. But you have to make some sense of normality out of it. If not, every day is just left to guess and guess, and it plays a big uh, toll on your mind. Yes, so for you to come up with that routine, it kind of, I wouldn't say it was freeing, but you knew that you had a schedule. You knew you had something, and so that's how you got through your days. In a way, you had years. a sense of freedom because yeah. you made it yeah. you know, something you did out of So. Now that you're out, how was your family life? How's your how's your relationship with your, with your daughter? How? Well, the funny thing about my daughter, you know, when I was incarcerated, of course, I would write to her aunt's house, you know, because me and her mother weren't get along at the time before I got incarcerated, so I didn't know how she would take. But I would write, you know, and then I would call. I would call my daughter at least twice a week for sure, you know. And uh, it, it took me a while because I had to get the phone set up and everything. So, uh, yeah, now it's like, you know, my daughter... Matter of fact, it was last year. I had got a letter for my birthday from my sister, and she would tell her friends, you know. She knew I was locked up, but she would tell her friends that I worked at Papa John's, that I delivered food. That's why I wasn't around. She, you know, and I understand, you know, and I'm glad that she's, you know, she's seven, so she understands, oh, daddy was in jail and this and that. He was in prison, and, like, that's why she's, now she's real, real clingy because she's afraid. She actually told her mother when I dropped her off on Sunday the first time, she was like, I have to be with my dad Friday. I have to be with my dad Friday, and she was like, well, why do you want to go to your father's, you know, to your dad's on Friday? You're supposed to go every other week, and she's like, no, I have to take care of him because I don't want him to get in trouble again. Wow. And, you know, that took a real toll on me because, you know, she's seven, so she's already, you know, she's, she's, she's smart enough to know, and she sees, and, you know, and I just don't want to give, you know, I don't want to put myself in a position, well, I'm not going to put myself in a position where it's going to take away from my daughter ever again because... You know, she's growing up and she needs me just as much as I need her. You know what I mean? Wow. That's that's hard for anyone to fathom that has never been away from their children. I don't have any kids myself, but to really put myself in your shoes, man, that's that's very heart-wrenching to, to think that to deal with. And to know that your daughter, it you know, I, I give it to your daughter for going and saying, I need to be with them and taking up that sense of responsibility, even though she doesn't have to. And, and most kids won't ever see that, but... I think in the long run, that special bond that you have with her is going to really solidify, you know, you know everything you've been through. But it's, it, I'm not saying it's good, but 
it's great to see the love of your child that is there. Some kids are very oblivious to their parents, and I see a lot of disrespect in today's society. I see kids that will just, you know, not obey their parents. But for a kid to say, I want my time to be spent with my dad to make sure this and that, she is taking on a sense of responsibility that most kids probably will never see her. They don't I've even think about it. They don't age. even think about They're over there worried about, like, dang, my Spider-Man sock is missing. I'm mad, yeah. And they <laughs> throw tantrums. Yeah, exactly. Stuff, so like, I just want to be like a candy. That, you know, um, I commend your daughter for, for the love that she has for you. And that, that's amazing to see the love that y'all share. And I, like I told you, man, I seen you on Facebook, man. And your daughter, dude, she's all about you, man. Yeah, she's a daddy's girl. And that's yeah, cool that's, stuff, I'm man. surprised she hasn't tried to run down here and ask questions. Are you right? <laughs> yeah, you're straight. Y'all straight? Are you good as you straight? <laughs> no, you got to worry about it when, when you talk, when, when you mess with me, you start joking around, joking about me. She, she's real protective. <laughs> man, uh, yeah. But, uh, man, one thing I noticed about you when you came home this last time, man, is that headpiece, big dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. If y'all haven't seen Eric, like, this food has a fade. Like, I'm mad because this morning I actually had to go get my haircut and pay $30. Shout out my Barber Ricky, Elko's Barbershop, Mansfield. And, like, I'm looking at Eric. All he has to do is get a 99-cent razor, shave it off, and he's fresh cut. Got a permanent a edge up. Yeah, so, yeah. I seen this on Facebook, man, where they do this kind of stuff. And they charge, like, a thousand-some dollars to do it. And but I, when I saw it on Facebook, I didn't know that it wasn't real. And Leo told me today, he's like, "Yeah, it's a tattoo." I'm like, "Man, it looked clean." Because <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> right? I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah, tell man. us about it. Man. Yeah, man. Okay, so uh, I got this back in July of 2000. What was it? 19. You know, in there you like you think you know artists out here. Yeah, you have artists out here, but in there you got you know cats that've been there for for a while. And it's like like with me with my hobby. You know, I picked up drawing the first time. You know, I'm not as cold as some cats in there because you got cats in there with, with some mad, mad skills. Nothing but time. And uh, the guy that actually did my head, you know, it was one of my homeboys named Demon, you know. So uh, he was a barber in the world. He tattooed in the world. So uh, we're actually bored. It was actually July 1st, 2019. You know, I get the haircut. I mean, I cut my hair. I get the edge up done. You know, I'm nervous because, you know, it's permanent. And at the same time, any little mess up, you know, there ain't no going back. It's not like you get a race. So. <laughs> it ain't going. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we did it, you know. And it's crazy because, you know, in the position that I had to sit, you know, it was, it was, it hurt, it hurt my neck from holding them. The tattoo didn't even hurt. It was more of the position I was in to get my tattoo. You had to be on his lap or something, big dog? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah, he did it. You know, I like the way it came out. I actually have to touch it up one more time. But, yeah, he did it. And uh, it's crazy because he got caught, you know, tattooing another guy. Well, he didn't get caught in the process. They looked through the window and saw him sitting down doing a tattoo. They came in looking for the gun. So they, you know, they rack us all up. They make us come out to, you know, looking for fresh tattoos. So, luckily, you know, I was cool with one of the guards, you know, the boss, man, he looked. So, we go through two shakedowns for fresh tattoos within that time period. I get away with it both times. So, everyone's like, oh, man, you good. They don't even, you know, they don't trip because it's a major case. It's a major disciplinary case. You know, it, it actually affects the way if you're coming home. That's why I didn't come home last time. So, uh, yeah, 4th of July, you know, I'm going down there to the chow hall thinking, hey, yeah, they're going to have chicken because chicken's only on the 1st and the 15th, you know, so. I'm like, hey, yeah, they're going to have chicken, they're going to have ribs, or, you know, it's 4th of July, so how are they going to feed us good? So we go down there, and, you know, just my luck, the lieutenant happens to see me, gets my information, writes me up, and 
There goes my parole. <laughs> well, the, whenever you got caught that time, I remember you told me that story. You actually got caught because you were like uh, scaling up, right? Like it yeah, was healing. It, it was peeling. Peeling. It was peeling. It was, it was scaling up. And, uh, <laughs> it was like, boy, ain't no suntan. You already dark. Yeah. So uh, yeah, when she she got she called me to the dance, you know, the searchers dance. I went up there to her, and you know, I tried to play it off, but you know, we have IDs, you know, prison IDs. So they she was like, let me see your ID. Of course, on my ID, I have no edge up, you know. So mm-hmm. she was like, oh, okay, well. Then she asked me, has anyone said anything about it? I try to be slick. I'm like, yes, ma'am, they actually have. She's like, okay, well, I'm going to look for it further into it. When she did, she found out. Like, yeah, sure. Real, yeah. <laughs> man, yeah. speaking on your drawing skills, man, I want to thank you for all the drawings that you sent me, man. Me and my kids, like, man, we really appreciate them. I actually still got a Superman that you did for Julian oh, on your man, first was, time. Yeah, that was, a, that that was, was your first. Yeah, seven, yeah I, still, I still got it. And, uh, man, them jokers just got better with time. I was like, man, you need to start selling these jokers. <laughs> I almost did, but they were personalized. You know what I mean? They had my last name on them. They know I'm gonna buy them. I'm selling two artists, man. Because Leo could draw. Leo, done yeah, talk I've, about seen, it. I've seen him. I've Leo seen. could draw himself, man. But oh yeah, but he tries to act like he can't. Nah, big dog. You know, sometimes. <laughs> nah, yeah. see, that's why. It's, like I said, there's there's a lot of people in there. I actually have a friend from San Antonio in there who's still locked up, named Batman. You know, he's the one that started my chess piece. I didn't get to finish it, but uh, he tattoos out here, and I mean he's. He's, you know, you got people who actually have talent in there. I mean, I got portraits done, and it's and it's crazy because what y'all pay out here for artwork, you know, personalized artwork, it, it goes for. How much did you pay for your? I actually got my edge up done free. Cause oh, okay. Boy, but if if I wouldn't have known him, I probably would have paid about twenty dollars. Twenty bucks, oh, wow. man. That you gotta out understand here, out here, yeah. like. How much do they charge off for a sleeve out here? Man, I don't even know, but I know that some artists they start like two fifty an hour. Yeah, see, and they're seventy five dollars. You get you a sleeve now, mind you, it's you get what you pay for. Seventy five is probably the cheapest I've seen someone do a sleeve. I've seen somebody do it for about two hundred, but that's still cheap. And the one that has, like I said, my boy Batman that did my chest, he'll charge you two hundred, but it's you gotta understand he he's been doing it for years and it's. You know, it's the quality. Yeah. So, man, in order to get like a pretty good tattoo at a decent price, you got to break the lawn, go up in there, man. Seems like no, it's not really. Not <laughs> really. <laughs> I'm just no, it's that. not even nothing like that. Yeah. It's really, so, but really, the comparison, the, yeah, yeah. really, it's not even that. It's just you know, with social media now, it's you'd be surprised, man. I got a couple friends that are out here now that like the guy that did my edge up and another friend in Dallas that actually do it out here now, you know, but. It's just, you can't expect to get the same price I was getting in prison because now they're out here. It's like, go out here, like, hey, big dog, I heard you hit my boy up for two soups. Yeah. (laughs) You come with two soups. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, you know, you got to understand they're trying to make a living too. It's just their skills, you know. So you talked a little bit about some people, um, and I, you know, you don't have to disclose names and all that kind of stuff, but. um, Well, we all have nicknames. Yeah. So, okay. (laughs) So, with that. Um, any close connections that you made that you still kind of communicate with? I actually got real cool with my boy Lou. You know, he's he's at the Estelle unit. He got a 13-year sentence, you know. So uh, he got a 13-year sentence. So, you know, he's he's still in there. And, uh, yeah, when we split up, you know, got shipped to different units, you know, I still kept in contact with his wife. And, you know, we, like, I, you know, I still J-Pay. I J-Pay him not so long ago. And then I still got another friend that's at my last unit. And, of course, my friend Batman that did my chest. You know, I, I still try to keep in touch because I don't forget where I've been, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to, you know, to come out here, people might think, you know, you get on your phone all day out here, you know. It's like I used to tell my brother Leo, you know. To me, it means a lot to me when he would write because he still managed to take out of his time being that, you know, life goes on out here just like it does in there. It's two different worlds, you know, but it's still life. And he took his time and it's it's more how much of friendship 
you have with someone, how much they actually care about you. That's how I know how much he loves me, and I got, I got the same love for him. You know, being in the position that I was in, I've lost a lot of friends that I just don't no longer hang out with because, you know, not only because they were still doing the negative thing, but it's because, I mean, 57 cents is all the stamp costs you, you know. Or you could go online and get on JPay and, you know, buy stamps for about the same price. Can you explain and, what JPay is real quick for people that don't know? Okay, like so quick... JPay is actually an app. You can send your loved ones that are incarcerated money and you can send them letters. You know, uh, they, you buy the stamps on there, the JPay. I mean, you text, you don't even have to write the letters with your hands. Because, I mean, Leo used to do it and he'll tell you his, his <laughs> hands hurt. Oh, yeah, cramped up. So, He's got arthritis. You know, I mean, you're on your phone all day. So, what is it, you know, to take 10 minutes? It's just like a text. JPay, you download the app, you know, you set up your account, put money on your, buy you the stamps, put money on their books. But majority of the time when you buy your stamps, you can actually send pictures and, you know, letters. But the letters, when you write, you actually just it's text like an email. Yeah, you text it and you send it to them and. They get it if you write any before eleven o'clock in the morning. They'll get it the same day. Anything after eleven a.m. They'll get it the following day. But they'll get it within twenty four hours. Man, technology. I'm about the technology before and now you have talk text. You could probably say your whole. Like, yeah. You know, some people. You know, I'm thinking back in the day. Some people couldn't even write. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I don't know about the generation. Some of the generation before us, and I've you know heard stories where. Hey, I can't write. Can you write to this loved one for me? Mm-hmm. And they would ask someone, hey, I'm good. And they'll say what they wanted and they would write it out for them. And hopefully they're writing what you're putting down. But, you know, it's one of those things that it was it was hard to try mm-hmm. to get a letter in there. You would have to wait three, four, five, you know, a couple weeks to get, you know, mail and stuff yeah. like that. So now it's so easy. And that's going to kind of, that's good that you brought that up because what I wanted to know is how can people in the free world, you know, just normal citizens, help those that are incarcerated. Is there any type of programs? I know you mentioned JPay. Is there anything else that you've seen or people that have come in to the jails from outside? Is there anything that people can do to help with it? No, uh, uh, to be honest with you, as far as citizens just trying to, really it's just, you know, they got pen pal services, but of course they're going to, you know, the inmates in there have to actually, you know, find a loved one out here to set up their profile and they charge you for the profile for the pen pal. So it's like, you know, now you're asking an incarcerated person to sacrifice what they, you know, what their loved ones sent to them to, you know, for their hygiene and their food that they, because I mean, we only eat three times a day during the weekdays. On the weekends, they only fed us twice, which was brunch and dinner, you know, and sometimes you, there was times that I'll go to dinner around nine o'clock at night. So, I mean, if you don't have anything in that locker, man, it's, it's a hard time, you know. Mm. So, uh, yeah, as far as that, you know, now you're asking someone to, okay, well, let me write my loved ones and tell them to, you know. Set me up a, a account, and uh, I'll go ahead and you know start the pen pal service. And then now you have to, it's kind of iffy because you're like, okay, now you have to wait for someone to respond that actually wants to write you. I got you. So really, the pretty much the only thing like now, luckily with social media, I mean, it's pretty much yeah. uh, they got a couple groups out there, you know, but it's, it's like Facebook pen pals. Yeah, they got a couple groups out there, you know, as far as the unit that your loved ones assigned to, and you know, you can't, you know, really it's more of Loved ones talking to loved ones. It's not a pen pal service, you. you know. So they don't have okay. anything like that out here. So I mean, in order to do that, so somebody's gonna have to do it. But I mean, it's, it costs money as well, you know. So. Yeah. Okay. With that, uh, didn't you have uh, like a family member or my, something they used to do? Yeah, my grandmother used to help out the prison ministry, and they would go into the prisons and they would get time to sit down with them, pray with them, talk to them, see what their needs were, and stuff like that. And and that was near and dear to her heart. She did that for, if I'm not mistaken, about 25 years. And that always stood out to me because I thought, you know, me as a young kid, I'm like, man, grandma ain't just scared of going to the prison. Like, you know, <laughs> people that have done stuff like that. Don't get stabbed, grandma. That, and because my grandma's a sweet, you know, old lady. I'm, and she no, never see, let that hold her. Yeah. She still 
because she understood that people needed to be reached no matter what, what no matter the mistakes no matter things they've done my grandma's always had a heart for people yeah i mean and if I anything that god uh you know god forgave us so yeah who are we to not give people for second sure. chances and as a no, young kid it was hard yeah, to understand but see that. that's the thing that about the like i stated before penitentiary you know prison and told her it's more about respect of course you know you you got because when they come in you know they, they of course everyone knows that they're visitors you know they, mm-hmm. they give them a little tag little badge that says visitors and of course you know it's like i said before it's, it's two different worlds so in there you know once you see it when you see a visitor for example you know of course i'm like well what, what are they here for you know and then you know somebody's gonna know where he, she's with the chaplain so it's you know it's more of a respect and like okay because you know now, she's going to the chaplain. Of course, she's not going towards the cells. And if she is, she'll be escorted with the guard or whatever. But really, everything happens to the chaplain. So when they go, you know, it's really up to you, like, as far as the inmate, if you want to go taking her message, you know. But gotcha. as far as your grandmother showing thank God, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like that. Who knows how it was back then? But since I've been, you know, going in and out, it's just like, it's more of a, you know, you're curious. Because like I said, when you're in there, that's your world. So to see someone coming out from out here mm-hmm. and going in there you know it's like okay you got someone coming from the free world to our world you know what i'm saying so it's like damn what, what like you know what what is she trying to offer like what do they got you know because you got inmates you know it, it's it's just how you do your time and the type of person that you are you know because of course you got people you know you got manipulators anywhere you know mm-hmm. even in there you know they're they're trying to find a way to you know go about how it's going to benefit them just like friends you know you got friends out here that you think of friends but when it comes down to it, you know, they, they don't really care about you. It's more of how they're going to benefit off of you. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way in prison. Yeah, I can, you come to prison, I, you know, I could be like, oh, hey, what's up? This is my homeboy. You know, because I know, oh, he goes to the store every week. You know, oh, hey, this is my homeboy. And I bring around my friends. And, of course, yeah, you're feeling like, okay, they accepted me. But really, we're it's just manipulating you for what you, you got to offer. Because yeah. as soon as, who's to say, your family, something happens and your family can't send you, the same people that been you've been given freely to will be the same ones that black like, oh, will. They won't give you no love back. They'll be like, oh, well, call your parents, you know, call your family, tell them you need some more stuff. But here I am, I, I'll talk they to you when you have stuff, you, you know, yeah. but now that you don't have it, I still got stuff, you know, and I'm not going to give you for mine because now you're, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just like out here, you got people that just pretty much you just got to watch out for, you know? Yeah. Okay, and then, uh, you know, we're going over a little bit on time right now. So on this last part, I'm going to let Jacob close it off here in a second. But usually on my, uh, uh, whenever I do them on my own, I do like a segment called Snap It To Me. You know, pretty much uh, what are your, you know, what are a couple of your goals moving forward, little local goals? Well, you know, talking to you, you know, ways I've seen you actually grown from when we were kids. You know, it's like you said, I got to set short-term growth, you know, because, you know, back then, I wanted, making the fast money, you know, I wanted the best of everything, you know, and, and Tom, I'm 34 years old, and, you know, I wanted to live lavish, how they say, and now it's more like, life's too short for all that, you know, mm-hmm. so my, my goals are just to live life as best as I can for me and my daughter, you know, and uh, really pretty much just accepting the fact that, you know, I got to live on my budget, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? As long, to be honest with you, as long as I can find me a good little job where I'm making up for me and my daughter to be happy, you know, just being at home every night, you know, just being being with her, it's like... Uh, well, I know one of your short-term goals was actually find somewhere where you can make a little money, and I know you're already doing that right now with yeah. making shirts, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm That's actually helping out the girl that I'm with, you know, and she has a Facebook called Nikki's Creation. She does, you know, we do shirts, face masks, uh, 
you know, reach for the doors. And I mean, for holidays, birthdays, you know. Yeah, y'all go check it out. Nikki's Creations, Facebook. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, of the whole changing ties thing, I actually got a quick story for y'all. I'm going to call it the Hell Cadillac. <laughs> so whenever we were youngsters, man, and I had actually met Eric, we had actually got an apartment together over there off Pioneer. And uh, <laughs> we had gone out that night to, you know, go get a couple stuff. <laughs> you know, we were getting some stereos. We were, yeah, stereos. I'm not going to sit here and lie to y'all. And this Cadillac, I want to tell you, it was like an 84 Cadillac. Four it was a four-door. <laughs> it was primered black. The The top was spray-painted white. The whole interior was spray-painted white. like they did it with the white out. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> like, you sit on that Joker and, like, you would get up from the seat and there'd be white paint all over you. It was horrible. No, no stereo. The AC, the heater didn't work. Anyways, we were like, man, we need some quick money. We went to go get some stereos. And I told Eric, I was like, hey, bro, throw the stereos. And the flathead in the back. You know what I mean? Um, so we actually even got pulled over. Yeah, we had it in the the car was this busted, y'all. Like, the cop pulled us over. He opened the trunk. And he was like, what's the screwdriver for? I was like, officer, I need that for the carburetor. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what's the stereo? I was like, oh, I, he, uh, my friend, he actually just bought it from somebody at work. I'm picking up from work. You know, and he looked at the dash. There was no stereo there. So it was, you know, like, oh, okay, well, y'all be safe. Get home. All right. <laughs> So it didn't take him much to believe. Yeah. That's how busted this said, joker yeah. was, bro. He said, he like, <laughs> yeah. Had like, some tools on the ready. He said, yeah, yeah. you probably need these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So, uh, man, we were actually getting home. And uh, keep in mind, like, this car is beat up. No AC, no heater. And uh, all of a sudden, we're riding down right there by Pioneer in this little street between some apartments. And the car just dies. Like, the car dies. It keeps rolling. And then when it comes to the final stop, you know, like, like the lights started blinking all over the dash. The headlights started blinking. And then out of nowhere, the freaking heater cuts on and the AC cuts on. And it's like, I thought it it never worked. It cut on by itself. And it was like hot, cold, hot, cold, blinks, uh, blinkers and everything going crazy. And then on the dash... You know, old school cars got that little digital dash on the clock. Six, six, six. Woo! Yes, bro. And it was like, what? Like three in the morning? It was three in the morning. It was three in the morning. You know, that's the time whenever all that crazy stuff happens, supposedly. So, I take the supposedly back because it actually happened. It actually, yeah. So, that night, I jumped out the car like, bro, you know what? You can take this joke. I'm dipping, bro. Like, I'm leaving. I headed back to the apartment. I left Eric's skinny self out there to push that car by himself. He was like, nah, man. We got to take it. You can take it, big dog. (laughs) I'm going home, playboy. But, uh, yeah, that's actually the night that actually changed the the perspective on me. I think after that, I cut everything off. Like, that's what, that was my changing point. It's funny how you said it went from hot, cold, hot, cold. It was almost like you were making a decision and using it as, I guess, um, not a metaphor, but saying either you go hot or you go cold. Yeah, like like you're not in the middle of the fence. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be. It's like you got to pick. Yeah, you can't be lukewarm. You can't play the middle. So you had to pick. Mm -hmm. And then when it says six, 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 that, you know, that resonates evil. Yep. And you and it kind of it told you something. Yeah, that's crazy. How man, you're either gonna walk with the beast or you're gonna be a good beast. And I was like, nah, play boy. Like I'm out. I dealt with all my consequences after that. But you know what, Eric? Uh, I see where you're going now. I do see a change in you this time. You know, I know you did cut off a lot of people, and you're you know making new acquaintances, and you're actually getting yourself on your feet. So I'm very proud of you uh, for that. I see the way you're being with Deja, and you know that little girl needs you, man. And I hope that. 
keep seeing you pushing forward, you know, and uh, I hope okay. that you continue to make the moves that you're doing. I and and I hate to cut you off, man. No, but, you're good. You know, Leo has talked about you in that light, saying that you know this time around he sees a difference, and you know. I'm glad that you've made a hard, hard decision. Like you said, at first you correct yourself. I don't want to. And you said, no, not that I want to. Say, I'm not going to. Uh, when you're talking about ever going back to that situation, you've made that up in your mind. And, and that's that's great. But what I want to know for the, the younger generation, those that you know are kind of walking the line that are you know, in between hot and cold, can you give us something for them to, to kind of help them um, with their path and to you know really let them know, you know, what they're, what they're looking at, because a lot of these kids think, oh, I'm young, I'll get out of it. Well, they don't also understand that it, this can become a road where it spirals down. It's, down, yeah, down. it's like I said, you know, once you become a convicted felon, any little thing, I mean, any little thing, I, I went back for a misdemeanor the last time, you know, so any little thing can lead you right back down that road. And every time that you go back, it's not like they're throwing little two, two years. I started with a six year sentence, you know, I got a two year sentence the second time, you know, and then uh, this last time I got a four-year sentence, but that's because I signed for my time before I got indicted, you know, before they even brought up all the evidence they had because it was a plea bargain. You got to catch, you know, and like now, if I was to ever go back, you know, I'm, I'm a habitual criminal in the state of Texas by then because I've already been down four times. So anything, once you get hit with the habitual, you know, that starts from, you know, 15 to life and these people ain't playing, you know, I mean, you... It's a lifestyle, you know. Yeah, they I mean, handed for, out times like it's suckers. Yeah, so, like, right now for all these young, you know, this new generation, yeah, I understand, you know, you see things on TV, you know, so you, you're trying to live lavish, like I said, you know. You see rappers with all this. Man, just pretty much all I can say is, you know, in a split of a second, your life could change, you know. It's all it's all about a decision. You have to make the decision. I can't tell, you know, I can't tell anyone what to decide to do with their life, but being there, you know, doing what I've done, you know, it's you not know, worth it. Being, being, being in them streets, because I've been out there. You could ask about me. I've, I've been out here, you know, uh, and it's like I was out here thinking, like I said, my parents never showed me this lifestyle. You know, they, they were hardworking. I just wanted to, you know, I didn't want to have to deal with what they went through because I've seen the sacrifices that my father did, I mean, you know, growing up. So it was like, yeah, you know, hanging around with the people that I was hanging around with and, you know, leading me to the lifestyle that I led. It's like... Like I said, it's all a decision, man. Like, yeah, you think your friends are the people that are around you right now, but, you know, it's like my father always told me after the first time, your real friends are going to be there when either you're in the hospital bed, incarcerated, or dead, you know, because, yeah, right now, your friends might be like, oh, yeah, you know, that's my boy, that's my, you know what I'm saying, that's my boy, yeah, but when you get behind that fence and you're back there, I'm not talking about six months, after a year or so, you start seeing the mail just and. You know, you see where your true friends are. They're out here living life, and they ain't worried about you, you know. So that's why, like I said, me and Leo, we, like, that's my brother, you know, from another mother. Like, we go back. He's been there since the first time I went, you know, and, you know, he's like a calculator. I could always count on him, you know what I'm saying? For sure. So, you know, I know you're talking about the time and, and everything that you've done. And you, like I said, you can't give, you can't tell them what to do um, because, really, we have to make these choices on our own. Yes, sir. But you can say that they don't want to go there. They don't want to experience that. that no, is... see, it's like I said, it's nothing like in the movies. I mean, just because I went in there, you know, like I said, I've been there. I've, I learned. I learned. I, you know, it's a respect thing. Yeah, it, trust me, it's not something you want to live in because, you know, out here you got the freedom. And there, you know, you're in, yeah, it's a different world, but 
you're not in control. You know, mm -hmm. you got the guards. They tell you when to get up, when to eat, when you're allowed to do this, what time to go to bed. You know, it's it's not it's nothing compared to out here where you have the freedom of going to your refrigerator when you get hungry if you want to have a snack. You know what I mean? It's, or, you know, if you want to go out to eat and have three plates, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> or having to actually uh, pop a squat in front of somebody. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's just like in the restrooms, you know, you ain't going to have no privacy. You're sharing with, you know, two, three hundred men at a time, you know, in a big shower. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go in here by myself. No, you... Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, you, you lose a lot. You lose that a lot. doesn't sound fun at all. No. I don't even like taking a shower by myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, there's this quote that stuck out to me and I want to share it with you. It says, do not be afraid of the future as it, it's always uncertain. Your mind and your hands together can make your future better. Do not spend time thinking while doing nothing. That is uh, Gedehar Alwar. And what I took from that was when you were locked up, you had a lot of time to think. You couldn't really make moves on the outside because you were, you were incarcerated and, and you were kind of, you know, you're stuck between these walls and you couldn't make these moves. Well, now you have the opportunity to make moves. You have the opportunity. You've been doing a lot of thinking. So my advice, and this is just from the outside, is continue on with what you're doing with, with like you said, with your family, with your daughter, with going on that straight road. But also at the same time, when you're thinking of these things, man, when we put our hands to the plow, we'll start to reap our harvest. So right now is basically just the time to start to, to, to work, and that's mm -hmm. what you're getting at, man. So this kind of stuck out to me when I was thinking about, you know, this interview. And, and man, right, the world, honestly, the world is yours. You can do, you know, mm -hmm. more. And just because, you know, you've had your shortcomings. And, you know, I understand, you know, as like you said, with your um, with your past, you know, with just certain jobs, things like that. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit harder. But there's still many options out there for you. Mm -hmm. and, and, don't, and don't let that, you know, because I'm praying for you. And, you know, me and Leo, Leo's talked to me many times about, you know, when he would write to and stuff like that. And it was always on my heart and mind, like, man, he's getting out soon. And, you know, we talked about it more and more recently uh, through this whole thing of COVID. And I would sit there and I would pray for you and I would think about him like, man, I would I don't know that situation of being there. But I think about me as a young person and I would do anything for laughs. And, and I kind of just thought, you know, as being young and I think about the young generation, you know, sometimes we think they're laughing with us. And sometimes people are laughing at us. So don't be no one's fool. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. and when you're young, man, it's really easy to get, you know, to get caught up in that. So, man, I appreciate you for sharing that with us, giving you, giving us all what you did today. Because, man, that that is a lot to to share. Because I, mm -hmm. you know, I I really appreciate your perspective. Because everyone has a different perspective. Like you said, some people go in for one thing and they treat it one way. Some treat the total opposite way. But you got your GED. You did what you needed to do in there. And now you're ready to work, man. You're ready to live your life and do your thing, man. And, you know, live your life with, with and for your daughter. And so that's cool, man. Um, I'm glad you're out, brother. And if you need anything, you know, we started a men's group. Um, and we're, yeah, we're trying to meet up, you know, and, and just to get together to encourage each other. Because there's a lot of men out there, you know, when you're with, you know, your homies, your boys, your friends. There's times where we cut up, man. And, we, and we'll joke on each other. We'll clown, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we're here to build each other up. Exactly. At the end of the day. I want to make sure that you're doing all right. If I can pray for you, if I can talk to you, if I can give you advice, hey, you can, you can call me out and say, Jacob, I see you're slipping on this. We need accountability within each other. Yes, sir. So, you know, we started this group and uh, we're trying to get things together. So, you know, here soon. And I know we've been doing all of our correspondence on uh, mm -hmm. Facebook and a little chat chat meeting and stuff. But yeah, we as, might add some more people here soon. As um, things progress, if there's any guys out there that want to be part of a group, we're here in the Arlington area. 
and we're just a group of men that are trying to, you know, lift hold each, each other, other up, accountable. hold each other accountable, and you know, do right by our families and our communities. And so, if you're interested in that, you know, give us a shout. You know where to reach, Leo. Yeah, leave a message. Uh, as always, you know, y'all can. Uh, well, first, before I, you know, say my goodbyes, like you know, thanks, Eric, for you know being on no, here, jumping on. Like I said, thank I appreciate you. y'all for having. Me. Um, thank y'all for listening. Uh, y'all can find me on uh, Facebook, Leo Yanez Jr. Uh, Instagram, Snapchat, Leo Yanez Jr. eighty eight. I'm always on there. Y'all can message me on there. Anything y'all want to talk about. And my name is Jacob Patello. Y'all know me from Lunchroom Scholars Podcast. You can catch me on all the platforms of podcasting. I'm, I'm out there. So uh, I got more stuff coming soon. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. All right. Thanks, y'all. Y'all have a good one. Like we were, we were like uh, in the in the little diner right now, and then uh, she brought out the plates, bro. This joker, I ordered like three plates, and she's like, "Okay, whose is this?" It's like mine. Whose is this? That's mine too. Or the one she said next one. That one's mine too. Just put <laughs> just put it down right here. <laughs> it's like what? Yeah. I'm just sitting there looking at this cat because they hadn't had mine out yet. It was funny. You want to see how that came out? <laughs>